Thank you, Ron. Good morning, everybody. Open your Bible, if you have one, with you to Romans chapter 13 and the passage that Rich read for us earlier, Romans chapter 13, verse 8. Let's ask for God's help as we come to his word. Father God, speak to us through your word. Challenge us where we need to be challenged. Encourage us, Father, with your encouragement by your spirit. As we look at this message today from your word, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, many years ago, um, I think they played on Smooth FM just about every day. This Australian two-piece sort of band, Air Supply, had a song, I'm all out of love. I'm lying at home with my head on the phone, thinking of you till it hurts. I know you hurt too. What else can we do? It's tormented and torn apart. I'm all out of love. I'm so lost without you. It's, It's kind of a... A breakup or an almost breakup song. And the speaker, I'm just getting a bit of echo up here. Ben, if you can just wind it back a bit, that'd be helpful for me. The speaker's got this emptiness. He's alone. He's been in conflict. There's been hurt. I'm sure you know this feeling. And, and feeling like I need to be filled because I'm all out of love. It's run out. I've but, but maybe there's other ways you can be all out of love. Sometimes you might say, listen, I've been giving too much. I've just been giving so much, I've really got to look after number one. I've got to love myself first this time because I'm all out of love for others. Or maybe you're just angry and you're frustrated with somebody and they've abused your trust and you say, enough is enough. I'm all out of love. Maybe there's just plain hatred, enmity, dislike. I have no love for so-and-so. I have no love for these people. I'm all out of love. Or maybe it's just the way you're feeling. You're down, you're flat, you've run out. You've got nothing. You're depressed, you're blue. You might say, I'm all out of love. There's nothing there. I'm all out of love. The tank's empty. Well, there's lots of ways you may end up in that place. But however you end up, it is not a nice place to be, is it? In fact, it's not a human place to be. It's certainly not a Christian place to be. If your love tank is empty, you're in trouble. You need to do something. We're continuing our series in Romans 12 and 13, Reasonable Worship. How do you respond in chapter 12, verse 1? I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercies, of all of God's goodness, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy, pleasing to God. This is your spiritual or reasonable act of worship. And there's been a pattern. I don't know if any of you have noticed it. In Romans 12 and 13, in verses 3 to 8 of chapter 12, Paul talks about the priority of humility and therefore submission to one another, particularly in the life of the church. Don't think of yourself too highly. Serve appropriately. Submit. Then in verses 9 to 21, well, my New International Version actually has the heading, just plain and simple, love. There's all these practical expressions of love finished chapter 12. 
Come to chapter 13, and once again, we're back to the topic of humility and submission, particularly in the social sphere, to government authorities. And then if I look again at my NIV headings, it says love for the days. You see the pattern? Humility, submission, love. Humility, submission, we're back to love as our reasonable worship, how we respond to God's mercies. Today we're only looking at three verses. But in these three verses, the word love, in one form or another, is mentioned five times. It is the topic of what we're looking at this morning. But there are other words in these three chat verses. In fact, they don't say a lot, these three verses. Because there's these other words that get repeated or other ideas that get repeated in almost every other verse. So what we're looking at today is just the words that get repeated about love. Words of love. Now, if you're a a, a potential Romeo, you may think, fantastic, I need some words of love to put in my armory. Maybe words like magnificent, gorgeous, stunning, cute, or Maybe pumpkin cuddle pie. Words of love. Well, the words that we hear and have here in Romans 13 are like none of those. But these words are far better because these are the words that you need if you want to fill your love tank full to overflowing. And the first word is, you might think, well, it's rather unexpected. It's, It's not what you'd expect. The first word is law. Let me read the verses and listen. Let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. For the one who loves his fellow man has fulfilled the law. The commandments. Do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not covet. And whatever other commandments there may be are summed up in this one rule. You hearing the language? Love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to its neighbor Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. Love is law. It's God's law. The law says you must wear your seatbelt. So you must wear your seatbelt. God's law says you must love. In the Old Testament, there are 613 laws. 248 commands, 365 prohibitions. In some senses, all those laws are encapsulated in what we call the Ten Commandments that Moses was given on Mount Sinai. In the Ten Commandments, there are four which focus on God, vertical commandments. The other six focus on other people, horizontal commandments. But did you know they're all commandments to love? Love God, love other people. One day, a scribes, these religious experts, came to teach you and they said, Tell us, teach Jesus, which is the greatest command in the law? You know, you've got 613. Which is the biggest one? Jesus answered them. And now see if you can pick up any similarities in Jesus' answer from Matthew 22. Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest command. And the second is like it. How's it like it? The second is, love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Jesus quotes Deuteronomy 6, the 
the first four commandments of the Ten Commandments. Love the Lord your God. He quotes Leviticus 19, 18, the last six commandments, love your neighbor. And what's common between those two statements? Love. Love is the similarity. Love is the law boiled down to one word. Paul writes here in verse 9, the commandments, do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not covet, and whatever other commandments there may be are summed up in this one rule, love your neighbor as yourself. Paul says it to the Galatians. He writes in Galatians 5, 13 and 14. You, my brothers, were called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge the sinful nature. Rather, serve one another in love. The entire law is summed up in a single command. Love your neighbor as yourself. You're getting the message. Well, just in case, James (coughs) says this in James chapter 2, verse 8. If you keep the royal law, the sovereign law, found in Scripture, love your neighbor as yourself, You are doing right. You want to do what's right? Just keep this one royal law. We must love. It is the law. It is God's law. And if your love tank is empty, you're disobeying God's law. You might object. You might say, oh, but you don't know. I've just been so, I've been giving so much. I'm so tired. I've, I've, that person's treated me so badly. And, 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 and I've just had enough. And, but, 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 but the scripture says, no, 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 you're breaking the law. It's against the law. What is it when you break God's law? What do we call that? We call that sin. Thank you. If your love tank is empty, you are in a place of sin. A place of disobedience. It's not okay. There are no excuses. If you are not loving, it's to fall short of God's glory. It's to fall short of your own potential and what God made you for. Because love is the law. Well, there's the first word of love. Let's hope the second one's a bit more positive. Talking about love today. Well, the second word of love is fulfillment. You say, ah, love is fulfillment. I understand that. I was all out of love. But now my love has returned or my love has returned to me. I'm being loved. And the world is at once. The world is at peace. I am fulfilled because I'm in love. Well, that's not what this is about. Love is not about feelings. Love is about behavior and attitude. And love is not just law. In other words, something I have to do. Love is actually the main game. Love is the end game. Love is the objective, the great objective. It's what we were made for. It's what you were made for. It's the sum total of everything. Let's look at these three verses again. Love is fulfillment. What does Paul say? 
Let no debt remain except the continuing debt to love one another, for he who loves his fellow man has fulfilled the law. The commandments, do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not covet, and whatever other commandments there may be are summed up in this one rule. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to its neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. You see, it's saying the same thing in three verses, but it's just saying the same thing. And it's saying that love is fulfillment. The end game. Every demand that God places upon us, his creatures made in his image. Every demand that God makes upon a Christian. The perfect Christian life is realized in and through love. There is no more. What does that look like? Well, Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians, a great passage. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres, love never fails. That is as good as it gets for your life, for anybody. That is the fulfillment of the law, just to love, which kind of makes life easy, doesn't it? Because you don't have to worry about having a pile of rules to follow, to fulfill your potential. To do what God wants. There's just one rule. You know, you don't have to say, oh, you know, I don't drink, don't smoke, don't leave the toilet seat up. Tell the truth, help old ladies cross the road, say your prayers morning and evening. There's another rule, another rule, and you keep piling up the rules. And just like in Jesus' day, the rules seem to never end because you just keep adding rule upon rule. And then you spend all your time looking for the loopholes. Looking for the exceptions so that you can actually continue to be selfish and greedy and proud. And yet still obey all the rules. That's what people do. And just to make yourself feel better, you make another rule and then you find another loophole. So you can continue to be selfish and greedy. It's so much simpler. Just one rule. Love. Because your rules will never overcome your sin. Just one rule, love. So away with all these rules. Replace them with the one rule, love. And guess what? You won't get drunk. You won't smoke. You won't leave the toilet seat up. You will tell the truth. If needed, you will help old ladies cross the road. You'll say your prayers morning and night and all throughout the day. Because you love God. And you won't constantly be looking for a loophole to be selfish because that's unloving. Because the law is love. We, Our church, we have ten church values. The tenth church value we have says this, we are compelled by love. Or to spill it out more, we believe the law of love governs us. Because of this, we are compelled by love in everything we do. That's what we want to be like as a church. We're in a revisioning process saying, what is our church going to look like in the future? 
it won't be about our comfort. It won't be about our glory and our magnificence. The end game is love. For God, love for the world, love for the neighbor. That's what it should be about. That's what should control to love. It's such a simple thing, isn't it? Just one rule. And yet you know and I know it's so hard. Because it's hard to love all the time. Because we struggle with selfishness and pride and greed and our sin. But love is the law and love is fulfillment of all that God has made you to be. And because it's so hard for us, we keep wanting to dilute the requirements of love. We want to reduce love to just a feeling. We want to limit the circumstances where love has to be expressed, only for these people or only in these actions. And so if I just avoid the unlovable, then I'll have met the command. If I just avoid people, frankly, because, you know, I heard this phrase the other day, if you meet someone normal, it's only because you haven't got to know them yet. Because we're all so complicated and messy and unlovable. You want to find if someone's unlovable, marry them. You know, get really, really close. Oh, my goodness me. It can't be done if you avoid people. Third word of love is love is relationship. Relationship with God, relationship with others. And love, as God would have us love others, is unbounded. You don't draw lines around who you have to love and who you don't have to love. Now, this is expressed in different ways in our passage, but you can see that it comes up again and again. It's all about relationships. Let no debt remain except the continuing debt to love one another. For he who loves his fellow man has fulfilled the law. The commands do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not covet. And whatever other command there may be are summed up in this one rule. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to its neighbor. Love is the fulfillment of the law. So there is no such thing as love independent of real life relationship. Feelings are not love. Isolated actions, which you might pat yourself on the back and say, good boy, good girl, you did that. Uh, that need not be love. You can give money without loving at all. You can give time without loving. Just to get at something for yourself or to make yourself feel good. You cannot love if you isolate yourself, if you withdraw, if you hide. Love must be expressed to the one receiving the love. And love is so hard because relationships are so hard. Because you know what happens when you love somebody? You make yourself vulnerable. You might get hurt. You give. They might take and abuse. They might not return your love. It seems so unfair for someone as wonderful as you not to have your love returned. Love is hard because of relationships. But love is also at its most wonderful and glorious because it's all about relationships. Because relationships are the real stuff of life. 
Relationships are where we find joy and purpose and hope and peace. We had a phrase in our church last year, invest in relationships with God, with family, with others. Just do that because that's where it's at. Love your neighbor, it says here. It says in Leviticus. It says throughout Scripture. Who is my neighbor? Jesus told a story, a parable about the good Samaritan. I won't go through it, but most of you know the story. Who is my neighbor? Everybody's your neighbor. Who's your neighbor? Even the person you wouldn't naturally love, the person who is in need, who you can serve, that is your neighbor. The person you can bless as you have opportunity. Love your neighbor as yourself. Don't just love those who are like me, who suit my convenience. Love all that you have opportunity to. You may be your thinking, but you don't know the people I mix with. You don't know the people I'm in conflict with. You don't know the people I've been hurt by. You don't know my hurts. You don't know my inadequacies. You don't know my personality. Well, I don't. Let me read to you what C.S. Lewis says. The rule for all of us is perfectly simple. Don't bother wasting, don't waste time bothering whether you love your neighbour. Act as if you did. As soon as we do this, we find one of the great secrets. When you are behaving as if you love someone, you will presently come to love him. If you injure someone you dislike, you will find yourself disliking him more. If you do him a good turn, you will find yourself disliking him less. I don't care about your story and your situation. I do care. I hope you think I care. But frankly, the law is love. And it works. If you want health, love. If you want to overcome your circumstances and your situation, start loving. John writes in one of his letters, he says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. You see, our, our, our inadequacies, our fear, they isolate, cause us to isolate, don't they? They cause us to protect ourselves. But love opens us up. Like a flower opening to the sun. Perfect love opens us up to a world of relationships where love can grow. And love must grow. That's what love is meant to do. It must grow. And this brings us to the fourth word of love we meet in this passage. Perhaps the strangest word of all. It's only mentioned once, almost like a heading in this thing. And that, that is love is debt. Verse 8, let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another for he who loves his fellow man has fulfilled the law. I don't know about you, I suspect you're like me, I hate debt. I hate feeling indebted because it's like I'm controlled. I've got a responsibility that I don't really want and I want to be free of that. To pay off the debt so I can be free. I don't want to owe anybody. 
Paul wants us to be free. He says, let no debt remain outstanding. Except the continuing debt to love one another. There is one debt that is outstanding. That is love. Now who says we're in debt to love? Actually, God says, if you know the gospel of Jesus Christ, the gospel says. 1 John chapter 4 expresses it beautifully. John writes in verse 7, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. And Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love amongst us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. God showed his love by sending Jesus. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we ought to love one another. You see the debt? Since God so loved us, we ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and we, his love is made complete in us as we pay our debt. The book of Romans, we've been wading through it bit by bit for a few years. The first 11 chapters are all about the good news of Jesus. Paul spells out what it means to be a Christian, what Christ has done for us. He says in Romans chapter 5, verse 5, God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. He says in verse 8 of that chapter, God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You get to chapter 8 and Paul's expression of the love of God gets bigger and bigger. Verse 35, what shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger and sword? What's going to separate us from God's love in Jesus? Now in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I'm convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, the present, the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord, says Paul. You are loved. And when you get to chapter 12 and Paul finishes with his gospel message and starts saying, now live it out, he says, therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercies, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your reasonable act of worship. We are in debt We owe God because he has loved you so much. And to him and her who, to whom much has been given, much is expected. We are under a debt that we must always pay that we will never discharge in full. In fact, this is a crazy debt. It's a debt like no other. Because it's not a burden, this debt. This debt sets us free. This is good debt. 
You know, you sort of can have good debt. Did you know that? The fancy word is leverage. You borrow money. You get more money by borrowing, but then because you're a clever monkey, you invest it at a higher rate. Now, it's risky because who says you're going to get a higher rate? But if you can borrow money and invest it at a higher rate, you'll make money, money, money. It's called leverage. But it's really risky. So don't just run out and think you can do it easy because lots of people go broke doing it. The debt of love that we all owe is the highest leverage debt you will ever find. It leads to the greatest wealth. Wealth unspeakable. And it feels really risky to take a risk with love. It feels foolish often to invest in relationships, particularly with the unlovable, who you don't want to love, to incur such a great debt. Imagine a financial planner comes to you and they says, you know, you really should take on some debt. And here's how the debt will work that I'm recommending. Every time you make a payment, you will go further into debt. It's like anti-leverage. Every time you pay off the loan, your debt increases, says the financial planner. You wouldn't do that, would you? The more debt you have, the more payments you have to make. And the more payments you have to make, here's the difference. The greater your joy. The greater your enthusiasm for life. The greater your fruitfulness you have in relationships. The greater your hope and purpose and enthusiasm for life. The more in debt to love you are, the better life because the more you then have to owe and keep loving. Because love is its own reward. It brings more joy. It brings more love. It brings more happiness. It brings more purpose. And the more you instead choose to play it safe and hold on and withdraw and protect, the more you refuse to pay the debt. Become a default. Default on your loan. The more you keep to yourself and minimize risk, the more you take at the expense of others, the more impoverished you become, the more smaller, the more meaner, the more tighter, the nastier. You need this debt. You need to pay the debt. As Paul says, let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another for he who loves his fellow man has fulfilled the law. And it's all for our joy, this debt of love. It's all that we might be more like Jesus. It's all that we might be more fully human, more fully alive, that we might increasingly deluge ourselves in the love of God expressed to us in the Lord Jesus. I'd like to finish with a story and a quote. The story is written by Dale Galloway. I think it's just a story he made up. It's a very American story, and that it relates probably an out of date American story, and it relates to when kids would go to 
school and give valentines to their friends as an expression of their love. So it's the start of school year in second grade and Chad's teacher says to all the students, Valentine's Day is coming up. I want you all to prepare some valentines for your classmates and give them out on Valentine's Day. Just to express one another how much you care for them. Chad goes home and tells mum, Mum, I'm going to make a valentine for everyone in my class. 30 valentines. And and Chad's mum goes, oh no. Not only the workload, but you see, Chad's an odd little boy. She sees Chad walking out of the class. She sees him coming home. All the other kids are chatting and talking and laughing. And Joe, Chad's always walking behind them, looking a little bit odd. He's never got a friend to talk to. And Chad's going to make 30 valentines. Well, Chad sets about it. Mum helps him, cutting and pacing. On every valentine, Chad draws a picture of that classmate. On every valentine, in his struggling lettering in English, Chad writes, I like Jimmy because... Jimmy can run really fast. I like Janice because Janice has a nice smile. Valentine's Day comes up and Chad packs all of his Valentines, all 30 of them, into a special container and goes to school. And his mum says, oh, no. What will Chad get back in return? Will Chad get anything? He's such an odd little boy. Well, mum goes home, makes makes a chocolate cake. She figures Chad's coming home and he's not going to be happy. Goes to pick the kids up and kids all running out. The kids at the front are all talking, they're all laughing and Chad's walking behind by himself, looking a bit odd. Hi, mum. She picks him up, drives him home. Chad's just sitting in the car. They get home. He's silent. Mum says, Chad, I made you some chocolate cake today because I know you like it. Oh, beauty, thanks, Mum. Chad sits down at the kitchen bench and starts hoeing into his chocolate cake. And he's lost in his own thoughts, lost in his own worlds. And Mum's looking at him. And Chad says, Mum, not one. Not one, Mum. Mum starts to well up in tears. My little boy didn't even get one. And Chad says, I didn't forget one, Mum. I gave a Valentine to every kid in the whole class, Mum. Grabs his chocolate cake, races off to watch TV. What's that story about? The story is about Chad understood love. Because all Chad cared about was blessing his classmates. He didn't care. He was completely self-forgetful that no one maybe gave him one because it wasn't his interest. And what did Chad reap from all of his efforts? He read, blessed joy. The joy of self-forgetfulness and service of others. We had the story of Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus is a bit like, Jesus is a bit like Chad, isn't he? Sees this odd, nasty, mean, unlovable man. He says, I'd like to go to your house today. 
what? You don't go to my house. Because Jesus is happy to take the risk of love and meet someone at their point of need. The joy of self-forgetfulness. John Henry Jowett, a great preacher from the um, 19th century, wrote this. True love is a splendid host. There is love whose measure is that of an umbrella. There is love whose inclusiveness is that of a great marquee. And there is love whose comprehension is that of the immeasurable sky. The aim of the New Testament is the conversion of the umbrella into a tent and the merging of the tent into the glorious canopy of the all-enfolding heavens. Push back the walls of family love until they include the neighbor. Again, push back the walls until they include the stranger. Again, push back the walls until they comprehend the foe. Is your love tank empty or getting close to the bottom? Are you all out? I want to set a challenge. I want to see if it doesn't prove true. Seriously. Will you this week not look inward? But will you embrace these four words of love? That actually love is law. You've got no choice. It's fulfillment. It's what you were made for. It's about relationships, even difficult relationships. And it's a debt that you must pay. Will you take that challenge? Because I reckon, this is the challenge I set, I reckon if you do, you'll discover a miracle. You're driving along the road. Your fuel tank says empty. The light's flashing. What do you do? You put your foot down. You put your foot down. You put your foot down. And you start loving even more. The love tank's empty. There's nothing more to give. What do you do? You put your foot down. You put your foot down. You put your foot down. And you give and give and give some more. And see if that doesn't fill up the love tank. Till it's full to overflowing. It's the miracle of love. When the tank's empty, what do you do? You put your foot down. And you love harder. And see if that doesn't fill up the tank. Let me pray. Father, help us to love when we don't feel like loving. Help us to find joy in love. Help us to push back the walls and merge our life with the glorious canopy of the all-enfolding heavens to reach out even to the enemy in love. Give us strength by your spirit. Help us follow the example of Jesus, we ask in his name. Amen.